Now that we're all seated, I invite you to kneel with me as we go to the Lord in prayer to open his word. Father, I thank you that we are here right now in this worship center. Thank you, God, for the power, the gift of music, how it speaks to us in such a powerful and transcendent yet imminent way, God. Lord, we desire right now in this moment to hear you. We want to receive the word that you're sending to us. God, you know exactly what's going on in our lives right now, what we feel, what we think, what our plans are, our hopes, our dreams, our struggles. God, you know it all. And God, we turn to you in this moment to hear a word from you. Help us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Let's look at these guys right here in front of you on the slides. The first guy we see was the first to use the term. He said, I am the greatest. It's Muhammad Ali. There's Ali. The next image. There he is. North Carolina's finest. Michael Jordan, the best basketball player of all time. And last but not least, there he is, the ageless, Mr. Guapo, Mr. Handsome, Tom Brady, perhaps the greatest quarterback of all time. So the question as you look at those athletes, Brady, Jordan, and Muhammad Ali, which one is the GOAT, the greatest of all time? We will find out next week as we start a series, not on those guys, but the GOAT. What is the greatest chapter in the Bible, the greatest of all time? We're going to go verse by verse by verse through that incredible chapter. The real Dr. Young will be back in the pulpit next week. Okay? I'm going to start off by asking you a question. This is a difficult question. But let's just start right here. Let's just dive right into it, if we would, okay? And I do not want a show of hands. Don't, do not need a show of hands. And the question is this. How many of you have ever been betrayed in your life? How many of you have ever been betrayed in your life? A friend, a loved one, a business partner, something went wrong, it went wonky, and you were betrayed, and you felt betrayed and rejected and disappointment, disappointed, and there has been a rupture in that relationship ever since. Betrayal. It's so brutal, but it's so common to the human experience. Even Jesus Christ himself was betrayed, and we all know that. And even if, let's say, betrayal has not happened to you, and I hope it doesn't happen to you, okay? But even if you've not been betrayed by a person, sometimes I, I talk to folks, and, and they, they feel betrayed by life itself, if you would. 
Work with me. You thought your life would look like this. Okay? You had your plans, right, of what you were going to do in your life, your 20s, your 30s, your 40s. And as you play this thing out, life is nothing like you planned. Because many times life does not turn out the way we think it will. I mean, we, we plan and we prepare. You know, many times we have this painting, this blank canvas that is our, our life, and we think it's going to be this kind of really picturesque, kind of normal, you know, Norman Rockwell painting, right? But as it plays out, it's more like Jackson Pollock and paint is all over the canvas, and surely there's some meaning to this abstract art that is my life, but we don't know. So life is interesting. Many times people feel betrayed by life itself because it's not played out the way we want it to. And a big part of that is, is how we're living our life. And last week we talked about the importance of time. Remember that? T-I-M-E, time. It's important that we understand what time it is and what time, what moment it is. We talked about how time, the time that we live in, basically is moving forward. Whether you're talking about Newton or Einstein or whatever, all of our time is moving forward. So we have a past, present, and future. Speaking of future, we're going to go back in the past and use this wicked piece of technology known as a chalkboard, okay? So, work with me here. We have this timeline. We have the past. Present. And we have the Future, 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 right? Past, present, and future. The problem that we have many times is with the past and the future. Sometimes we get stuck in the past. We dwell in the past. We may regret what happened in the past. Or sometimes we romanticize what happened in the past and want to get back to those halcyon days. But many times we get stuck in the past and we can't let go of our past. And we live with a lot of regret and remorse and sometimes resentment and bitterness. And that all boils up because of the past and you know, that also, the past greatly affects our present. Now listen, the past is great in many ways. We have to what? Learn from our past. I mean, that's how we gain knowledge, gain wisdom in many ways. It's from the past. But there's also a very negative, dark side of the past, a difficult side of the past, a complex side of the past that we need to let go of. We can't dwell in the past. We learn from the past, we can't live in the past. Then we have the future many times, and we project ourselves in the future too much, 
it kind of freaks us out a little bit. We start living in the world of if, if, right? We walk into the if this happens room. If this happens and if that happens, if this happens, that happens. And then all of a sudden we play this thing out in the future and we're filled with worry and anxiety and stress in the present moment and things haven't happened yet. It's crazy, right? That's the future. We dwell too much in the future, it freaks us out. We look too much in the past, it drags us down, we can't move forward. The past, it's in the past. It's done. You can't change it. It's irreversible. It's done. The future, it's unknowable. It's uncertain. It's unpredictable. That's how it is. So what do we do? Here we are in the present, in, in, in this moment right now in 2022. Of course, we prepare for the future, 2022 and 2024 and 2030 and 2040, if you are wise. We prepare for the future, of course. But there's no guarantees. And we can't control it. So we have to be right here and right now. And the good news is this. Here's the good news this morning, okay? Here's the good news for all of us here today. Is if you're here right now, most of you are, most of you are here, okay? If you're here right now, then God has a plan and a purpose for your life. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. If you are here right now, God meets us in the middle of our life, in the middle of our present reality, with all the past affecting us and all the future that seems so far away. God is with us in the now, and what God started, as he said in Philippians 1.6, God will finish. So God started a work in you, he started a work in your life, and he's gonna complete that. But a big part of that is gonna be you understanding and me understanding how do we respond to God in this present moment, in this brand new year, this new season of 2022. Our passage for this little mini series is Ephesians chapter five, verse 15 following. Ephesians five, verse 15 following. Open your Bibles to Ephesians five. If not, it'll be right there in front of you. Here's what Paul writes, and Paul was an expert, an expert at understanding the past, present, and future, and how to live that out. He was a genius, he was brilliant. We may not be here today if we're not for Paul. I could make that argument, okay? Brilliant businessman, brilliant marketer, had a tent-making company. On the side, he wrote most of the New Testament and um, planted churches all over the world. No pressure, no pressure on you here today. Ephesians, some of you get that later. Ephesians 5.15. Therefore, be careful how you walk. Be careful how you walk. Be intentional. Another translation will say how you walk. Be responsible about how you walk. 
not as unwise men and women, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. We live in evil times and evil days. And just as we heard last week, as God has a wonderful plan for your life, so does Satan. There's a dark side of this world, the dark side of the universe, and he has a plan for your life as well. These are evil days, so we've got to make the most of our time. And in a, a better translation there, if you would, a more literal translation of making the most of your time, which you know, to us can be, oh yeah, I'm gonna make the most of my time, I'm gonna schedule things out, I'm gonna do better with my calendar, better with my task list and to-do list. I'm gonna be, no, it's really not about that, though that's good and important. The phrase there, making the most of your time, really means redeeming the time. Redeeming the time. Redeeming the time. Last week we saw that there are two words for time. First word we saw that we're familiar with, that's an H, is chronos. So we get the word chronological. So chronos time is all about numbers, it's all about calendars, it's all about minutes and hours and days and weeks and months. It's how we measure time here. God started chronos way back here in the Big Bang, right? When everything came into being. He started this time-space time continuum that we live in. We live in four dimensions, okay? We're limited to four dimensions in a sense. But chronos, we're very aware of chronos. That's one type of time. I think the Bible, the New Testament uses the word chronos, I believe, 54 times. But the main word that is used in the Bible for time in the New Testament is the word kairos. Kairos. If, if chronos is measured in minutes, kairos is measured in moments. If chronos is all about technology, kairos is more about nature. If chronos is mathematical, then kairos is magical. Chronos is law, kairos is grace. Chronos is heavy, we feel like it's weighting us down, time's running out, better check off our bucket list, right? Chronos is heavy, kairos is light. When you think about chronos, think about a clock. Tick, tock, tick, do, 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 tick, tock, tick, time. Chronos keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping into the future, as Steve Miller tells us. Think of a clock. Kairos, think of the Christ. Think of Christ. So we are to redeem the time. Redeem the time. But how do we do that? How do we do that? How do we redeem the time if redemption what we consider redemption here happened some 2,000 years ago on a hill outside of Jerusalem. What does that have to do with you and me today, really? Okay, so let's do this. God is here. And I like what Augustine said. Augustine, one of the most brilliant philosophers and theologians that's ever lived, one of the architects of the Western world. He said this, 
but he never defined it. But I like that. It gives me a lot of flexibility. So God, he said, exists in timelessness. That's an S. Okay? God exists in timelessness. So God is present here, not just in the beginning of the creation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. John 1, 1 says, in the beginning of the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. So there is a beginning before the beginning. God is absolute being, okay? He is, he's the only uh, non-contingent reality in the universe or universes. And all time to God is now. It's all time. It's present. So God was present in the past. God's present here. God's present right now. God's going to be present in your tomorrow, next month, next week. And God's going to be present in the future. And God's going to be present at the end of the world. And let me tell you when the end of the world is going to happen, the end of times. You've already wondered about the end of times. Let me tell you when that's going to happen. I do not know. No one knows. I encourage you to read the Gospels. Jesus said many times, no one knows. The disciples were like, God, Lord Jesus, tell us the chronos. No, I'm not going to tell you the chronos, the time. No one knows. The book of Acts, after the resurrection, he's about to be ascended. Oh, Lord, tell us the chronos, tell us the time. No, I'm not going to tell you the time. I'm not going to tell you the chronos of when I'm coming back. No one knows that time. We have all these people on TV who write books and have some honors who know exactly when he's coming back. Anyway, I had to get that off my chest this morning. I apologize. But no one knows the chronos, okay? No one does. God himself of when he's coming back. So God exists in timelessness. All time is present to God. So think about it. We exist in four dimensions of time. But even modern physics and string theory has proven, if you would, that there are at least 11 time dimensions. So God, we know, at least dwells in 11 time dimensions. Of course, God is really transcendent over those 11 time dimensions as well. So we're limited to past, present, future. God's not limited at all of that. Everything's present to God. He lives in timelessness. And many times we have these moments when God's timelessness, his eternity, his power, his presence breaks into our life. That's kairos. Kairos. Kairos are moments in nature, moments in life, moments in prayer, moments at work, where all of a sudden, boom, we kind of experience the presence and the power of God in that moment. So then you have this, this massive earth-shattering, watershed, chirotic moment, if you would, called the incarnation, all right? It's crucifixion and resurrection, okay? So God comes to us. He enters the story. He enters into this chronos and lives a perfect life, dies a death on the cross, and then rises again on the third day quite amazing. And I like what Kierkegaard said about Christmas, in a sense. Christmas is not just God becoming a man, God becoming a baby in Christ. Christmas, or the incarnation, is eternity entering into time. 
Eternity is entering into time. The infinite is entering into the finite for this moment, okay? It's kind of crazy. It's kind of wild. But you could say it is, but is it really? How many of you, and I'm going to ask for a raise of hands. How many of you like Alfred Hitchcock? I like, you like Hitchcock? Any Hitchcock fans? A couple honest people here. Yeah, Hitchcock was great. One of the things Hitchcock would do was in almost, I think, every one of his movies, I believe, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, okay, and I might be, but that's okay, but in most of his movies, most of his movies, Hitchcock, who was the director of these films, would kind of enter himself in, in the picture, just kind of randomly, you know, someone gets on a bus and there's Hitchcock sitting there, you know, or he's selling papers or doing something random. He doesn't speak, he just kind of inserts himself as a character in his film. Well, if Hitchcock can insert himself as a character in his film, if there is a God, how much more can this God insert himself in our humanity here on planet Earth? What's that to God? And that's what he did. Eternity entered into time. God lives in timelessness. So what that means for us is that God came to us in Christ here. He redeemed us in the past, but we can experience his redemption and grace right now in 2022 in our lives because he's God. He exists outside of time. I remember a course I had in college, uh, and the professor's name is Robert Sloan. He's now president of HBU, but he drew this next to the crucifixion and resurrection symbol. He grew that sign of eternity. And he talked about timelessness and how this is a, a, an event that happened in time, space, history, chronos, but also because it's connected to God, it's timeless. It's timeless. So he's able to apply the, the, the effects of Christ's redemption in our lives right now, okay? Let me try to illustrate that. I'm an American today because of decisions and treaties and wars and blood that were shed by men and women hundreds of years ago in, uh, in the past. So I'm an American here in 2022 enjoying these freedoms, enjoying these freedoms because of decisions that were made by men and women centuries ago. And I'm living in that freedom. Does that, does that make sense? How much more, if God does something decisive, not Franklin and Jefferson, but God does something decisive, how much more can he apply what he did in the past through Christ to us right here and right now in 2022? So, Let's not get lost in speculative philosophy or theology. I don't think it's speculative. I think it's very important. Let's get back and let's bring it down. Because I can hear some of the people and I see the back row Baptists saying, how do we live in this redemptive time? Look at 1 Corinthians 15. If you turn there, great. If not, just look straight ahead. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 9. Paul is writing again. He's talking about how he lived in this redemptive time. 
For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of Christ. I don't deserve it. Why? Because of what happened in my past. I persecuted the church in my past. I was a moron, an idiot, and stupid. I did really horrible, wicked, bad things in my past, he writes. But look at verse 10. We were singing about that earlier. Let's try to live it out. Look at verse 10. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. I can't change the past and what happened. I can't change the people that I persecuted and hurt, but I can respond to God's grace now. By the grace of God, I am what I am. His grace to me was not without effect. Talk to us, Paul. No, I worked harder than all of them. I worked. Once God's grace appeared, grace works. Double entendre. I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Well, how does that work out in practical experience? Philippians 2.13, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what's behind, forgetting the past, I strain toward what's ahead. I live in this moment for God and for Christ. That's how you do it. Nothing to it but to do it. You receive his grace. His grace means that you can be forgiven right now. You can be restored right now. You can be filled with his spirit right now. You can start doing God's will right now. It's amazing. You can cover and forgive and even redeem and recycle those things in our past, things that happened to us, things that we did that we regret. If we turn that over to God and to his grace, he can redeem it and redeem our lives in this present moment. So I had a conversation with a friend of mine about six months ago. Driving around the car, talking about different things, and all of a sudden, my friend said, you know, I like to follow God like this because my friend said, my God is a now God. It's like, wow. That's good. My God is a now God. He's a now God. And he calls us to live for him and to respond to him right now. Right now. Jerry Sitzer, look at this quote. He says, we have no power to return or reverse the past and no power to control or predict the future. We only have now. We can be confident that God is in this now working his Redemption. God is a now God. He's a now God. 
And he calls us to follow him, to respond to him in the now and say, God, come into my life once again. I want to follow you once again. And God, I want you to redeem and recycle all the stuff in my past. And I want to live for you in the now. And that will better prepare me for the future. He goes on and I'll just read verse 17. Ephesians 5, 17, in that passage you looked at earlier, he says, don't be foolish, understand what the will of the Lord is. You can do God's will right now, right where you are. God meets us where we are to take us where we need to be. God meets us in circumstances many times that are not idyllic. He meets us in circumstances that are tough and brutal and maybe you're suffering, but if I follow God in the now, in this minute, in this hour, in this chronos, I experience his kairos as time plays out and your timeline and my timeline, God is working the process of redemption in your life and in my life. The grace is there available to you and available to me. Will we receive the grace and respond to the grace and follow God's will? In our lives, moment by moment, day by day, though imperfectly, God's a now God. He's a now God, and all we have is this present moment. Doesn't mean that everything's going to change just right now. No, it's not magic. It's not abracadabra, to quote Steve Miller again, and boom, it's just everything's changed and circumstances are perfect and you got everything going your way. Now your circumstances may never change in some respect, but God will change you in the midst of those circumstances. Understand what God's will is. God's will right now for you, God's will right now for me is to love God with everything that I have. God, I want to love you the best I can with my mind, my heart, and my soul, and I want to love others in front of them. I want to serve others in front of them. God, I want to go to work tomorrow morning, and I want to serve others by the way that I work and the way I represent you. God, I want to go to school tomorrow, give myself to school, give myself to my activities, my sports, my studies, as if I'm working unto you. I want to do your will in my life, in this moment. And he gives us, as Paul said, the grace to do that. He empowers us to do that. One day, one moment, one now at a time. So we respond to God in the now, right now. We respond to God in the now after church is over. We respond to God in the now. We keep responding to him, responding to him, responding to him. And over time, he builds this redemption story in our life. He starts working something good in our life. It's really amazing. And listen, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not just preaching today, right? I'm not just the president of the hair club for men. I'm also a client. Years ago, I, I lived in uh, Mexico City Fascinating city, beautiful city. I love Mexico City. I was there um, on behalf of a missions organization that our church started and planted 
and we had a seminary in Mexico City, and we helped plant churches throughout the country of Mexico. It was a really cool endeavor. Many of you were a part of that and went there and gave to that, and I was there uh, to help train, work with the seminary and go out with local Mexican pastors during the day and talk to people and to help plant these churches. And so many times I would go out into these different areas and neighborhoods uh, in Mexico City and I would come back, I would ride the subway. And, and a lot of you have been to New York City, you think, man, the subway is crazy, it's so crowded at New York City. Multiply that times 10 and you maybe have Mexico City subway system. It is unbelievable how packed and crowded it is. And so I would take the subway home after a day and I would walk back to my street where I live with my family there. And not my family, but my family in Mexico. And many times I was walking down the street and I was just walking and trying to blend in. Didn't always work really well, but trying to do it. Looking straight ahead, you know, good posture and all that. Sometimes people would kind of just startle me on the street. They'd go, I go, yes. I go, whoa. My heart would go, boom. I go, Okay, what, what, you know, pardon, I'm, you know. I go, yes, I go, oh, cinco, cinco y media. They, they want to know what time it is, right? What's the time? What's the chronos? They want to know what time it was. But they said it so fast, I wasn't expecting it. They kind of startled me. What time is it? What time is it? It's a good question. It's important to know what time it is. We have to keep our schedule. We have to get things done. I get that. But a better question, I think, for us today is not what time is it, but what time is it in your life? What time is it in your life? We don't know how much time we have left. We don't know if we have a little time left, a little chronos, or a lot of chronos. We don't know. No one knows. But we do know this. If you respond to God in the now, it can be a Kairos moment. And you could start that process with him in his grace of redeeming the time. Let's do that together today in this brand new year.